This is Jennifer Pepito with the Restoration Home Podcast. This is the show where we talk about the peaceful path to connected families and restored communities. Today, I am honored to be chatting with Rachel G. Scott. Rachel's on Instagram at I am Rachel G. Scott and on the internet, on the web at rachelgscott.com. I'm excited to talk to her because we've been talking about a family rule and all these ideals of family life. But for so many of us, we have a moment or years maybe where things are not ideal, whether whether it's due to sickness or broken relationships, our ideals of family life are shattered and we have to rebuild. And Rachel's experienced this and I'm so excited to hear from her and gain her wisdom on how to rebuild after disappointment. Thanks for joining today, Rachel. Thank you, Jen, for having me. Oh, I'm really excited to chat with you because, you know, there's there's so many ideals that we have for our family life. You know, we get married and we're like, we're going to be a godly family. It's going to be good till the end. We're going to not do things the way our parents did them. Mm-hmm. Everything's going to be better. And then sometimes it doesn't all work out like we hope. And we have to face disappointment and rebuild. Can you share a little bit about how you've had to rebuild after disappointment? Yeah, so um, I am a blended family. My husband and I have seven children total. He has uh, he had three, I had two, and then we had two together. Um, I was previously married and was divorced, and then his first wife um, his first wife passed from cancer. So, you know, of course, you don't get married to get divorced. That is not part of the I do's. And so, the, the initial my my first marriage ended essentially because of just abuse and um, infidelity and the consistency of both of those things. And just the, it was no longer a healthy place for me to be, to be uh, for myself, my children, any of those things. So um, my husband and I, that I'm married to now, we've been married now for 12 years. And we have, like I said, two children together and we are thriving and growing our family together, which is a huge blessing. Yeah, that's amazing. And obviously you went through a lot of healing to get to that place because I think sometimes people think, oh, I'm going to leave this marriage because this Mm -hmm. sucks. But the thing that brought them to that broken person in the first place, unless healed, will probably bring you to another broken person. What was your process of healing so that you didn't, in Mm -hmm. essence, find the same broken person to be with? Oh, that's so good. Such a great question. You know, I I had to realize that what I had accepted was because I didn't know who I was and my value. And there's so many things I could say it was because of this or it's because I didn't have that or this or that. But truly, it boiled down to a lie of the enemy. And I remember the day I was walking home and the enemy told me no one else is going to want you. So this relationship is going to be the best that you could get. And I didn't have anyone around me um, at the time saying, Rachel, don't believe that, nor did I verbalize this to anyone. That's why I am so big about, you know, when these lies start coming in, we have to expose them. We have to expose them. I tell my children all the time, don't sit with that thought. We have to expose that thought because that thought can can turn into action if it and it can be the wrong action. And so that that is what brought about the first relationship. But recognizing the fact that that was a lie and that um, there was there was a such thing as a healthy, godly marriage and that that is what God wanted for me and identifying who I was 
in Christ and some of the things he had called me to made all the difference because then it was no longer about me just marrying someone for the sake of, I just want someone to help me raise my children. It was, I need someone to come alongside who God has called me to be and that we can be partners in fulfilling the assignment he has given us upon this earth. So it was totally different. It was a totally different perspective. I began to know who I was and that helped me um, along the journey of, I didn't find him, he found me, but that helped me to identify that this had to be the person God had for me because it just, it, 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 it matched. <laughs> wow. So it wasn't like you, you know, you married this guy, then you realize he's such a, um, a bad person or abusive mm-hmm. or all the things that, that really hurt so bad. And you didn't just jump into a new relationship. There was a process where you grew in your own value and your own relationship with the Lord before mm-hmm. um, God sent your husband. Yeah. So um, even with with the first relationship, there were signs. So I'm not going to say there weren't signs. There were some signs, but I I wasn't mature in Christ and I didn't have the mentorship and the guidance that I needed to recognize that those signs were a stop sign and not a yield. You know, they were a stop sign. They were very clear stop signs. And so um, one thing you'll learn about me is I'm I'm authentic. I'm real. I'm going to tell you my story because it's part of my story. Um, And so as the relate as I realized that that relationship was coming to an end, what I started to do before I even the relationship ever even ended, but I knew that this was not going to be able to continue. Is I began to work on myself. I didn't know who I was, so I started digging into the word. I started going out and about by myself, and you know, walking and going places, and just trying to figure out. Who am I? I? I've been so wrapped up in trying to survive this relationship that I don't even know who I am. And it's I, I'd been in it for so long from um, a teenager into adulthood. And so having that time to find myself, what kind of mother do I want to be to my children, regardless of any next step or any new person that was not on the radar? Who do I want? What kind of mother do I want them to experience? And I had to work through all of those things beforehand, um, before going into another relationship. I love that you started that in your first marriage because, you know, I I was with, I was working with a counselor last year and there were some things that I was frustrated about. And, and basically she said, you know, work on yourself and then see how, how things develop, you know, because often we are looking to our partner to make us happy. But sometimes we just have to do the work ourselves and then either we'll have the wisdom if if leaving is the right thing or mm-hmm. or they'll come alongside I mean the Holy Spirit can do miracles in our marriages. Yeah. And and one of the things that I have come to learn and that I tell people all the time and I've had to express is I'm not an advocate for divorce. I I don't advocate for that. I don't believe that that is you know God's greater mission. I'm an advocate for a healthy marriage. I'm an advocate for people working on themselves and becoming who God has called them to be so that they can, because marriage is all about Christ anyway. So that's what I'm an advocate for. And whatever the process for me, it, it may have looked one way um, for someone else. I, I know people who went through the same thing, but both decided to do the work of becoming healthy. And it's not about a perfect marriage. It's about a healthy marriage. The marriage I'm in now is not perfect, but it's healthy. And that is that is a goal. And that is what I wanted reflected to my children. What does a healthy marriage look like? And um, they get to see that. They get to see an unhealthy marriage still, unfortunately, and they get to see a healthy marriage. Um, and, and that is what's most important to me. 
Yeah. And that's what I especially want to talk about today is like, you know, after disappointment, it'd be easy to just say, you know, okay, well, marriage isn't for me or, or I don't know what I'm doing in family life. Kim John Payne in his book, Simplicity Parenting talks about the shame spiral where we try to do better. And that's what we're all about with Restoration Home is trying to have some family values, trying to have some good habits in your home. But how do you like what was as you establish a new marriage, what was the process you guys took to establish a godly family? Mm, that's good. Um, well, we were both followers of Christ. So that that helped is that we were equally yoked. And so we were both followers of Christ. One of the first things we did was try to find a church family for our family, not one that he went to for a while. I was driving myself crazy because I was going to his church and then the church I wanted to go to. And then we were trying to try new churches. But I look back at that season and I realized that that laid the foundation and the expectation of our family of being a family that honored and served God, even though at the beginning we were trying to figure it out. So that was the first thing we did was find a church home that we could raise our family in together that have the same principles, the same mindset, and that really established that foundation of we are a Christian family. This is Sunday service is is to get us going. But throughout the week, this is what you can expect. We would have family meetings. We would come together. We would talk about things to set the expectation for the week or for the month or for the new school year. Um, we would have family night. We haven't been doing it quite as much now because my, my kids are a little bit more active. So it's a little harder. But initially, we were first blending. We would have family night where we would come together. We would watch movies together, have popcorn. Um, I made everyone support each other. And, and I will say I made because there was some tension. Everyone didn't want to do it, but they appreciate it later. Support each other in, their, in any sport, any activity. We're all going together because we all want each other to feel supported in what they are doing. So just really cultivating that this is um, important. Traditions. I didn't grow up ever having a Christmas or a holiday with all of my siblings present. I have seven siblings. I never had a holiday together with all of them. Not one time in my life have I had that. And so that was important to me that we're going to have a family tradition and um, establishing traditions, even as a family, a blended family became important. So we do Christmas brunch because I tried dinner one year that didn't work because everyone had to go to different places. They had to go see their grandmother. They were going to their dad's, you know, visiting their, their dad's family. And so I was like, brunch, everyone, we can do brunch. And then you can go to work to your respective places after that. So all of those things played a huge role in it. Yeah. I love that you weren't afraid because I think sometimes modern American moms are actually really afraid to set standards. It's like some of, some of the people who listen to the podcast were maybe raised in sort of legalistic families. Mm-hmm. And so they're actually really scared to set any standards for their own children or have like have a family rule even, but you really weren't afraid to set a standard and say, this is what our family is going to value. Exactly. No, I, I definitely wasn't. I think my husband and I, we did have to sit down and talk about what is it that we want our family to represent? What do we want our families to be known for and by, and just really establish that we want people to know us as people who follow Christ, who love others, who are willing, who are willing to serve, and who cultivate their gifts. Cultivating the gifts that God has given our children has been probably the central theme of what we do. But we had to. There was tension there because the thing about a blended family is you're not the only say 
you, you don't have the final say all the time. So um, I went through years of a custody battle. All those people had a say, you know, and it, it could be the other, uh, um, my husband, his, his first wife's grandmother was very involved in their life. She had a say. My ex, he had a say. And there were times where I just had to ask God, like, Lord, we believe this is how this is supposed to be. If this is your will, we're asking for you to kind of put the hammer down in this situation, you know, and it, it's not me or him or anyone. You've established it. This is what's done. This is what's said. So, um, yeah, we definitely had to have boldness and conversations to have some really bold conversations overall. Yeah, I love that. I, I appreciate that you you didn't just rely on arguing with people. I mean, you did bring this to the Lord because I think sometimes we think that everything has to be done by our own strength or our own mm-hmm. ability. But there's a lot that actually happens when we take it to the Lord. I know for myself, I had one, a prayer session where I worked through forgiveness towards a close family member. And the next day that family member, so I, I wasn't doing it with the family member, right. but the next day that family member called me and, and actually asked for forgiveness and said wow. how how sorry they were for this situation. And so I think that there's a lot that can be done by God (laughs) without us. And that's what the scriptures would, would say, you know, that he'll fight our battles. And so I love that you, you guys as a family, you didn't just rely on your own strength. Yeah. And I want to speak to that even because there was a time where, um, you know, especially when I was going through a custody battle season, that was really hard. And it could have been really easy for me to become bitter, angry, frustrated, like, okay, haven't you done enough kind of mindset. But um, I remember when God had led me to, my ex was in town, I think we were headed to court, and he led me to go apologize to him. And not about the the court stuff, but more so about, you know, just how things were handled. We were both young. We were both in our 20s. We were, we were young, teens, 20s. And um, I was like, God, what? Are you serious? <laughs> like, I, I didn't do anything wrong. Were you there? Did you see what happened? But I did. I was shaking. I was crying before I got there. But I apologized. I was like, this could be held against me in court. And when I say, I believe that so much of what God has done in our family, in our life, came from my willingness to do something that was uncomfortable, um, but yet so necessary to help his heart and to help my own. And and so we have to invite God into it if we really want to see the restoration in our family uh, take place. Wow. That's amazing, Rachel. That is one of the 12 steps is that you actually you know, make an examination of your own part in an issue. And I'm sure it was probably a small part. Yeah. But the fact but, that you were able to acknowledge that to him, I'm sure softened the whole situation mm-hmm. and made and and then, you know, I talked to other people who are in a similar situation. You know, if you don't work through forgiveness, and it doesn't mean that you have to go to the person and say, I forgive you. But if you don't work through forgiveness in a thorough way, you're, you're almost like hanging on to the offense. And I'll say it again. I've said it a thousand times. Bitterness is like drinking poison and waiting for your enemy to die. All you mm. do is, is keep dragging that broken relationship into the future instead of releasing it from yourself. It's like letting it go away from yourself. And it doesn't mean you have to forget or right. absolve people of their responsibility, but it does mean that you release yourself from the poison of hanging on to it. Right. Yep, exactly. So how have you helped your children develop 
good relationships in this new situation. Because I think that, you know, sometimes we, you know, we have a family ideal, we sit down and we have a family meeting, and then one of our kids misbehaves or something, and it derails us. You know, even in our own family, like one child went through a a season that was really hard, and that meant I was more focused on that child. And so some of the other kids, you know, got overlooked in that season. And then later on, I had to deal with problems with those kids. And so sometimes it feels like when somebody's struggling, it can derail the whole family. How have you guys worked through issues in the 12 years you've been married? Yeah, that's so, so good. Um, Number one, we make sure the kids understand that we are a joint force. So it's not one against the other. It's not go tell dad or go tell mom. We communicate and they know that anything that's going on, we talk about together. And them knowing that has helped them um, to be a little bit more mindful of what they do. However, I've been in the same situation where my my youngest son, he dealt with a lot of respiratory issues. And so it seemed that there were uh, times when he was getting more attention than others and vice versa. And so what I found that I had to do was ask God to redeem the time with my other children. Like wherever I felt like, man, I wish I would have, I think I missed this or I missed that. I'm like, Lord, just redeem the time. And I will tell you in some amazing ways I've seen him do that where either things would come up and I'm like, okay, this is an issue I needed to address. I could have addressed it before, but I'm getting the opportunity now. And they were ready to receive. Uh, Something like that would happen or he would allow me to come across something that let me know I needed to to say something about this. So in in every area where I have felt, because I I tell them all the time, I'm one person and there's seven of you plus my husband. And I'm I'm here, mommy all day or, you know, it's hard. And of course the older ones, not so much now, but I'm like, I'm one person. And how do I multiply myself amongst everyone's needs? But I also let them know how how important the relationship with God is. And I tell them, I'm not going to be able to fulfill everything you need. That is not how God has created me. But this is what Father God does. So introducing them to what it means to have a relationship with God and not just the religion of Christianity, but a true authentic relationship with God where he begins to guide them and to lead them um, as they are doing the living life. Yeah, that's so beautiful. You know, parenting teens and young adults is hard on our adrenals. Like it, it, you know, it, you know, it can cause anxiety because all of a sudden we're having to release adult people that we've been able to care for in a very physical and hands-on way. We're having to release them to make their own decisions and to drive cars on freeways and all of these things that are really terrifying, Mm -hmm. honestly. And in Mothering by the Book, I talk a lot about, you know, some of the strategies that I use for overcoming fear and and I have to continue to use because it's not something that instantly goes away. And and one of the newsletters I just sent out was about becoming, uh, I, I just mentioned becoming emotionally healthy and that really triggered a lot of people. Like it is a struggle to stay calm and stay regulated and stay peaceful in the midst of parenting for many of my listeners, they're also homeschooling. You know, some of them do have kids moving to that teen and young adult stage. What are some of the things that you do for yourself so you can stay present and calm and at peace while you're managing this big blended family? Yeah, um, I definitely have conversations with my husband. He's my calm. So he definitely helps bring calm to situations. But here's the other thing. God has prepared me for a lot of these things. Um, my children, when they were at like eight and 10, I flew across country and to, to go see their dad. I wasn't with them. 
And that was really hard. Very, very hard. And it, it was at that moment that I realized, you know, if I truly believe that God is who he says he is, and I believe that he is everywhere at all times protecting my children. So um, I've had to release control early when I say <laughs> of wanting to constantly con- like control the scenarios or how they do things. The other thing is if I have never been a praying mama, I became one when my kids turn teenagers. I pray, pray, pray. I, I will catch myself praying and not even realize that I'm praying because it is my natural instinct when something comes up, I don't know what to do half the time. I've, I've not come across this before. And I just begin to pray. I know I don't have the answers, but he can lead me and guide me to the answers. So truly, I understand the power of being um, a praying mom more than I ever have before. And I don't, and I'm not saying this to over-spiritualize it. I don't have another answer outside of that because that is what has helped me. Yeah, that's completely. so good because it, I mean, really, it does boil down to not really believing that God is good when we worry. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I think that having that be your first response or your first instinct is just to pray is so good because it says he is our peace. That's what the he word says. He is our peace. So. Well, thanks so much for joining today, Rachel. I'm I'm going to link your book Better Than Blended yes. in the show notes so that families can learn from you, especially if they're facing that experience of blending a family. And I know that you, um, you're an avid speaker and have a lot of wisdom online. So we'll link that website in our show notes as well. Thanks so much for sharing your wisdom today. Thank you, Jen, for having me. 